Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Christ reigns supreme, and this is why what we're talking about tonight, the message of the cross, is absolutely the most important message we can ever preach. I know when we talk about casting up demons or healing the sick or other topics, we get more viewers, but what people don't understand is this all comes down to the finished work of the cross, that our power over Satan, our power over demons, our power over strongholds, our power in the in this world that we're fighting, this the spirit of the Antichrist, the power that we have against it is in what Jesus did on the cross. And so we need to make the cross great again. We need to make preaching on the cross relevant and popular again because that's where the power is. If it had not been for what Jesus did on the cross, we would still be living subject to demonic powers. We would be still living in bondage. We'd still be under the power of the curse, which we're going to talk a lot about the power of the curse tonight, but we would still be living under that. But thank God, come on, let's take a moment here. Thank God that we've broken out of the power. I thank God that for years I was depressed. For years I was living in a dark fog. For years I didn't realize that there was freedom in the cross. And so I want to tell somebody that's on the verge of giving up. I want to tell somebody that's tired and that's weary and that says, Isaiah, I feel like I'm always going to be this way. I'm just going to be stuck in my worry and my anxiety and my depression and my fear that I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that because of what Jesus did come on help me preach Holy Ghost tonight that because of what Jesus did you are going to break out you are going to break free that you might be like this right now but you're not always going to be this way that God has a desire to deliver you yeah you every single one of you that God wants to break you out so I believe tonight depression we're putting on notice it's going to be broken in Jesus name Anxiety is going to be broken in Jesus' name. Fear is going to be broken in Jesus' name. Witchcraft is going to be broken tonight in Jesus' name. Anxiety and worry and panic and terror and dread. I believe tonight trauma is going to be broken. Tormenting thoughts, traumatic experiences, memories, nightmares, night terrors. I don't care what it is. I believe tonight that there is power. And so we're going to pray at the end for healing. We're going to pray for deliverance. And we're going to believe for the power. We're going to believe for the fire. We're going to believe for the anointing of God to break out. I'm believing that revival, that your spirit is going to be revived. If you feel dead, if you feel spiritually dead, if you're tired, type one, if you're weary, I believe tonight that by the power of the cross, God is going to deliver. God is going to heal. And God is going to set the captives free. This is what it's all about. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross equals the power of God. The Bible says that we are not to be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. We need to stop being ashamed of what Jesus has done. Well, how do I know if I'm ashamed? If you're ashamed, you don't tell people about it. If you're ashamed, you don't preach the cross. If you're ashamed, you don't share your faith. You don't lay hands on the sick. You don't cast out demons because you're ashamed of what God has done. But I refuse to live my life in shame. I refuse to live my life. Come on, help me preach tonight. Where are you guys at tonight? 
I refuse to live my life in condemnation. There is power and there is authority in Jesus' name. And I believe tonight in Jesus' name, somebody is getting free. Even as I preach, chains are falling off. I hear the sound of chains falling to the ground. Even as I preach, shackles are falling off of you. Some of you that have been prisoners of war, some of you that have been prisoners and and, and the enemy has drug you away, God is delivering you. God is speaking breakthrough. And I believe not just for you, but over your children over your marriage, over your mind, over your emotions. Let the Holy Spirit begin to bring healing right now. Let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to break out in your living room. Let the power of the Holy Spirit begin to break out in your mind. Let the power of the Holy Spirit, come on, where are you guys? Let the power of the Holy Spirit break out. The message of the cross is the power of God. That's what it is. And Satan has nightmares. Listen to me. Satan has nightmares about what Jesus did on the cross. Have you ever wondered what does the devil fear? Like you're t- some of you have nightmares of snakes. You have nightmares of spiders or getting robbed or getting in a wreck or maybe a nightmare of your relationship falling apart. But I always wondered this. What does the devil have nightmares about? Like the devil, the darkest creature in existence. What does he fear? The most evil, wicked creature in existence. Yet he himself has fears. And this is the devil's nightmare. This is what keeps the devil up at night with cold sweats. What keeps the devil up at night is you finding out the power that you have now because of what Jesus did on the cross. Christians that are armed, oh, come on, I'm about to take off here. If I, if I just go off camera, it's because I'm running around my office here. But you have to understand Christians that are armed and dangerous are the devil's worst nightmare because they don't wait on the sidelines. They're not living in the kiddie pool. See, for many of us, God has called us out of the kiddie pool. And now you've gone from years and years of years of hearing somebody preach and sitting in a Sunday morning service, but never going out and doing what God has called you to do. And now you're like, man, I'm activated. I'm enlisted, I'm drafted, I'm called according to the purpose of God. The devil is afraid of you knowing this. And you might ask, well, how can I be armed and dangerous? And the way that you're armed and dangerous is by knowing the power, come on, I'm reading the comments, is by knowing the power that we have in Christ, by understanding our rights as the sons and the daughters of the most high God. As my voice cracks here, we are not weak. Listen to me, listen to me, turn me up. Come on, turn me up in your speakers tonight. We are not weak. We don't need to live subject to darkness. We are above and not beneath. We are the head and not the tail. We are the lenders and not the borrowers. We are not conquerors. The Bible says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So let us break out. And I've been praying for myself, Lord, let me break out of this mentality that we're just these, oh, we're just Christians and we're always gonna be behind and the world's always gonna be more relevant and more powerful and more popular and have more this and have more that. And you know, we're always borrowing from what the world, I'm not borrowing from what the world is doing. I'm the lender. I'm not the borrower. I'm not the tail. I'm the head. I'm leading the way. I'm a warrior. I'm a pioneer. Come on, preach to yourself tonight. I'm preaching to myself, y'all. I'm a bit tired here. I'm a bit weary here. And I'm preaching to myself. We as believers, write this down in your note notes need to stop being so soft some of you are so soft it's time to get some fight in you 
We have so many soft pastors and soft Christians afraid to talk about fighting, afraid to fight the battle, but we've been enlisted as believers to fight. And I don't want to live in boot camp my entire life. It's time for you to say, God, put me on the field. I'm ready for deployment. I am serving a life sentence in God's army. And I've understood this. My life does not belong to me. So friend at the cross, if you're taking notes, I got a lot of stuff to give you tonight. So just stay with me, share the broadcast. Let's get these numbers up. Oh, we're almost at 2000, but let's get these numbers up at the cross. You sign your life away. And this is why we don't preach it. This is why we don't talk about it. This is why in churches we say, oh, just pray the sinner's prayer and just invite Jesus to build a treehouse in your heart. And we don't ever even talk about the cross. There's no surrendering. There's no denial of self. We're teaching you how to love yourself more, how to build yourself, build your business, build your family, build your career. And Jesus says at the cross, this is you signing your life away where you lay everything down. In fact, in Matthew 16, 24, the Bible says, and then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So the first thing I have to do, let him deny himself and take up his cross and then follow me. So Jesus says, I'm going to give you the order. The order is not invite me into your heart. The order is not come to the altar, close your eyes and pray a prayer and invite me in and then live however you want. Come to church on Sunday and give 5% of your income. The order is not join a discipleship program, join a Bible study or join a local church and live the other 99% of your life for the devil. The order is if you want to follow me. So here's the deal. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to convince you. It's amazing as evangelists, like we beg and convince, like just get saved. It's so easy. Pray this prayer and just get saved. And Jesus says, I'm not begging you. If you desire to come after me, the first thing you need to do is you need to deny yourself. We teach people get saved and then follow Jesus. And Jesus said, no, the order is if you desire to follow me, to come after me and be my disciple, step one is you need to deny yourself. Then you take up your cross and then you follow me. But we have it backwards. We deny Jesus and we have Jesus follow us instead of denying ourselves and following Jesus. So we deny what Jesus says to do. Jesus says, I want you to lay hands on the sick. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to drive out demons. I want you to make disciples of all nations. I want you to live in, in, in health and in wealth and prosperity. And I want you to be blessed. And I want you to have life and life more abundantly. And I didn't come to steal, kill or destroy. The enemy did. And we deny what Jesus says. He says, pick up your cross, deny yourself, be all the way in. If you're 99. 9% in you're, you're not in. And he says, I want you to do these things, deny yourself. But instead we deny Jesus. And we say, I don't want to do what you're saying to do. I don't want to go where you're telling me to go. You follow me. And so we have Jesus like it walking around, following us around. And we don't let him in our lives. We don't let him convict us. We don't let him remove things out of our life. We don't let him bring deliverance and healing in our churches. We deny him and then we make him follow us. But here's what I want to tell you tonight. Jesus is not interested in following you. He has zero interest in following you around. American Christianity, and I wish somebody would have done this and preached this to me. It says, do your own thing and Jesus will follow along like some mascot, like some Jehovah genie, like just rub your Bible and he'll come out. Biblical Christianity says, die to yourself, deny yourself and follow Jesus. In fact, if any man wants to gain life, 
He has to first lose his life. So you're like, Isaiah, I don't like this, but friend, there's life when you deny yourself. There's life when you give everything up to God and say, Lord, I'm following you no matter where you go. Wherever he goes, I go. Whatever he wants from me, I give him. Whatever he says to do, I do. So taking up your cross. People say, how do I take up my cross? It's complete denial to self. It means this. I lose my life in order to let his life shine through me. If you still are gripping onto your life, if you're still hanging on, you are dying. You're hanging on to things that are dying. The idols, the accolades, the success, the money, the wealth, the, the status quo, religion, you're hanging on. And God is saying to you tonight, let it go. Let it go. Whatever it is that's hindering you. It might be a relationship. It might be a family. It might be a job. It might be a career. It might be wealth. It might be an addiction. Tonight, God is saying to you, it's time for you to let it go. It's time for you to let it all down. Now, it's not just you lose all your plans and you have nothing to do. It's you exchange your plans for God's plans. I remember I had all these plans. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get married and buy this. And I'm going to uh, work here and be a police officer. And I'm going to go to this place. I had my whole life planned out as an atheist before I got saved. And God said, I have other plans. And friend, I want to tell you, I could confidently stand before you and say, the plans that God has for my life are infinitely better, infinitely times better than the plans that I have. So you have to understand that carrying your cross, what does it mean? It means you have to be willing to do whatever is necessary to follow him. So you have to ask yourself, are you willing to follow Jesus if following Jesus means losing some of your closest friends, which for me it did. Are you willing to follow Jesus if following Jesus means alienation from your family, which for me, it did for some of my family? Are you willing to follow Jesus even if it means a loss of your reputation? And I 100%, I lost every reputation I had built when I started following Jesus. Are you willing if following Jesus means losing your job? And friend, not only did I end up leaving my job, but my career path, my career choice completely changed. Are you willing to follow Jesus even if it means losing your life now it doesn't mean all these things or any of these things will happen but it means that you need to be ready for any of this stuff to happen at any time because we have this comfortable this complacent and this very easy 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 american jesus this very easy 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 american church american christianity there's no price there's no sacrifice there's no cost it's a costless clearance on sale jesus that's not in the script scripture so you need to understand now for many countries picking up your cross means literal death, okay? We struggle to wake up on Sunday morning and get in church. This means literal death for some people. This for some people, they know before I even follow Jesus, I'm going to be completely isolated from my friends. I'm gonna be completely isolated from my family. I'm gonna be completely isolated from my loved ones. I'm going to be persecuted. And I'm not talking about people making videos, comments about you. People are like, are you, do you get mad when people make videos on you? I'm like, my persecution's nothing compared to what they went through in the Bible. I'm talking about biblical persecution to carry the cross. And we've made the cross light. We lighten the load of the cross for the convenience of the crowds. But I'm telling you right now, the cross it's still heavy, but thank God that Jesus carries the cross with us. Thank God that Jesus is the one that is helping us. Colossians 2.15 says that in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and the authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. These are spiritual rulers, demonic powers that Jesus did 
that Jesus shamed and disarmed by his work on the cross. So the first week, by the way, we're on part two of, of, a, of teaching or preaching that we're doing. And the first part of this, we talked about punishment for forgiveness, wounding for healing, righteousness in place of sinfulness, and life in place of death. But I want to look at some more things that happened on the cross when Jesus died and the price that he paid. And the first thing I want to look at is number one, and we're not going to go crazy on a lot of these. We're only going to go one or two, but is blessings instead of curses. This is essential, something that happened on the cross. Galatians 3.13 through 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become, listen to what it says, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Jesus, the Bible says, on the cross actually became a curse so that we might receive the blessing and every blessing that Jesus deserved. You have to remember this about the cross and the exchanges that happened on the cross. Every exchange, we got the better end of the deal. Friend, you got the better end of the bargain. Jesus got the worse end of the deal. Whether it was he gets punished so that we can be forgiven, whether he was wounded so that we could be healed, whether it was him taking on sinfulness so we can take on righteousness, whether it was him taking on death so that we can take on life. Now he's becoming the curse. I've gone over all those things. He's becoming the curse so that we can receive the blessing of Abraham. So every angle over and over, every angle, we get the better end of the deal because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. This should excite you. This should make you happy. You should be more excited about this than you are about demons being subject to you. This is when the disciples came to Jesus and Jesus, even the demons obey us. And Jesus is like, don't be excited about that. Be excited that your names are written in the book of life. Be excited about the work of the cross. Be excited. It should make you praise when you think about God sending his only son for us. What an incredible God that we serve. What an incredible God that we serve that he would send his only son to die a horrific death in our place so that you can stand before God. I'm having a hard time not running around here. So that you can stand before God justified, just if I'd never sinned before. This is the power that happened. This is the exchange that happened on the cross. Now, Galatians says, interesting, that we receive the blessing of Abraham through what Jesus did on the cross. Think about this, the blessing of Abraham. Genesis 24 verse one reveals to us what is the blessing of Abraham because we're getting this because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. So what is the blessing of Abraham? Abraham, the Bible says in Genesis 24 one was old, well advanced in age. And the Bible says, and the Lord has ble had blessed Abraham in all, oh, this is gonna change your life, in all things. The blessing of Abraham, listen to me closely, covers every area of our life. Through the cross, we get blessed in every area, blessed in not just some things, but in all things. That means I get blessed in my family, I get blessed at my job, I get blessed in school, I get blessed in health, I get blessed in my mind, I get blessed in my emotions, I get blessed in my soul. Every area of my life comes under the blessing of God. The text literally says, in all things. Now, many people don't understand the nature of blessings or the nature of curses, or what does the Bible say about blessings and say about curses? We don't talk about this in the church. You talk about curses and pastors are so afraid to discuss curses, are so afraid, all they wanna talk about is, 
blessing, blessing, blessing. But you have to understand, you are either cursed or you are blessed. And tonight, I believe God is going to break curses and exchange them with blessings. But there is going to be generational blessings and generational curses that are broken. Generational blessings released and generational curses that are broken. Now, a lot of us know about blessings, but few of us know about curses. What you need to understand about curses is that curses are biblical. Come on, let's get share, 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 like, like, like. Curses are biblical. In fact, the word curse in different forms is mentioned over two. 230 times in the Bible. There's six different words in Hebrew and three in Greek that are translated into curse. So one of the evidences that you're under the curse is you're not under the blessing of God. So think of curses and blessings in a very similar way. Curses come when you disobey God and blessings come when you obey God. So there's not an in-between in scripture. What you're going to find is oftentimes when we're talking about blessings and curses, the blessing is described one way, the curse is one way. You're not gonna find people that are blessed and cursed because what God blesses can't be cursed and what's cursed isn't blessed. So once the curse is broken and tonight in Jesus' name, curses are going to break in the name of Jesus. Once curses are broken, then the blessing can be released. So think of the curse as contracts which demons are assigned to fulfill. If there is a curse of poverty on you, then there's going to be demons there with a legal right to be there to fulfill that curse. If there's a curse of murder, there will be demons like anger or rage or destruction assigned to fulfill the curse. So demons are the enforcers of the curse. But if you break the curse and remove their legal right, then you can drive them out. So I, you got to thank God. There's provision in the cross. There's provision to break the curse and to move. And tonight in Jesus name, we are going to move. I'm going to move. You're going to move. We're going to move out of being in the curse into being in the blessing of God. And we're not just talking about the curse of the law. We're talking about all these different curses. Now, Jesus broke the curse of sin and the curse of the law, which Galatians 3 talks about. But there's many other curses the Bible talks about. Remember in Galatians 3, Paul tells the church, who has bewitched you and obscured the cross, okay? So they've made the cross like obscured. You can't see it properly. You can't understand it properly. So witchcraft came in, because the Greek text is witchcraft, came in and shut off their understanding of the cross. And the same thing has happened to the modern church. Now, most people don't realize the intention or the purpose of witchcraft in churches is to obscure the work that Jesus did on the cross, is to make it to where you don't understand the full work of Jesus. This is what witchcraft does. This is the power of witchcraft. Now, there's two things that witchcraft did in the church uh, in Galatia. Number one is it made them carnal. This is what witchcraft did because Paul's going to go on to tell us what witchcraft is doing. Now, witchcraft absolutely hates the cross. Witchcraft absolutely hates deliverance. Witchcraft absolutely hates the move of God because when the move of God breaks out, people get healed and witchcraft doesn't like healing. When the move of God breaks out, people get delivered and witchcraft hates deliverance. Friend, if you are at a place, and I know I'm, I'm getting bold here, but we're just going to say it, where there are leaders and pastors that are opposing, listen to what I'm about to say, not Isaiah Saldivar, opposing deliverance ministry, opposing the work of healing, opposing the work of repentance, opposing self-denial and laying down your life. I'm telling you right now, there is witchcraft at work in that church. Now, can a spirit-filled Bible-believing church be affected by witchcraft? Yes, the church in Galatians was a solid church that Paul said came under the power of witchcraft. And Paul said, who cast this spell on you? 
Who brought this in? Who put this on you to now you don't properly see the meaning of the cross? And so I'm calling it out these pastors and these leaders that are doing witchcraft and are trying to stop the move of God. Now, they're usually not intentional. It wasn't like the church in Galatia was like, oh yeah, we have a cauldron at the altar and we're doing witchcraft. No, they, they unintentionally allowed this demonic power to come in and to start spreading legalism, listen to me, carnality throughout the church. So witchcraft in a church makes you carnal. If you're a part of a carnal church, if you know a carnal church and there's just w carnality, everything you can think of, I'm going to show you what's going on. Then you can know there's witchcraft at work in that church. So the first thing is it made them carnal. Galatians 5.19. We know this because Galatians 5.19, Paul goes on to talk about the works of the flesh. And he says the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and like he says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this, now he's talking to the church, and Paul said those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now there are many churches where sexual immorality is going on, where debauchery is going on, where idolatry is going on, where we're bringing literally idols on stage and preaching some ridiculous sermons that are not even scriptural. Idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish. Why is this happening? Because we've allowed witchcraft to come into the church and to make us carnal. These are the things that carnal people do. Now, the reason why carnal people do these things is because they're not spiritually minded. So they don't understand the spiritual implications of doing these things. They don't realize these are actually things that open up doors. These are spiritual things. They're not just regular, you know, no big deal things. And when witchcraft comes in, we open ourselves up to the works of the flesh. The flesh being an area where demons take territory. The flesh being an area where demons come and take root. And so you need to realize that these things going on in the church are a symptom of witchcraft happening. Paul already addressed that. The second thing that witchcraft does in churches, come on, let's keep sharing this broadcast, is witchcraft brings legalism. Legalism is, think about this, the attempt to achieve righteousness with God by keeping a set of rules or regulations so basically what legalism does is it adds to the requirements of salvation. It says in order for you to be saved, you need to do this, this, this. It's the gospel of works and it's the product of witchcraft. Trying to say you need to do this. What Jesus did wasn't enough on the cross. You need to do this to be saved. Now I'm not talking about holiness, which is to live a set apart life. I'm not talking about living a clean life and living pure. I'm talking about thinking that doing more for God can earn you salvation when salvation was only by grace. Grace means free gift. If you didn't get it free, it's not grace. So you need to understand that grace is free. We're not trying to earn salvation. Now, when you get saved, when you follow Jesus, you say, Lord, I believe you've died. I've repented of my sins and I'm receiving your free gift of what you did on the cross. And you walk out and you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, there are fruits unto repentance. There's literally fruit begins to happen in your life and your life begins to change. Now you're not gonna earn salvation by not watching a certain movie or not going somewhere or doing something. You're not gonna earn, that's not how you earn it. You have to understand that works are evidence, write this down, that you've already received salvation. So works don't gain you salvation, they're proof that you've already received salvation. And that's why James says, if you have faith, but you don't have works, 
then your, your faith is dead. And we know you can't even be saved without having faith because we're saved by faith and justified by faith by faith alone. This is unmerited grace and favor. So this is not works. It's not like if I just pray more, God will save me. If I just read more, God will save me. Witchcraft will tell you, you need to add on. I know a lot of people that have gotten delivered or need deliverance, and you might be in this broadcast and you're always thinking like, I just don't know if I'm saved. I just don't know if I'm saved. I just don't know if I'm saved. And you're always questioning your salvation. That is because witchcraft is at work bringing legalism. So witchcraft brings legalism on you. And Paul's gonna sum this up in Galatians 3.10. He says, for as many as are the works of the law, as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So he says, when you set out to achieve righteousness with God by keeping rules and regulations, if you break those rules and regulations at any point, you come under the curse, according to Galatians 3.10. Because if you break the command, you come under the curse. So now you're obligated to keep the entire law all the time, and no one can do this. So Jesus broke the power of the curse of the law. Now, Paul doesn't stop at the problem. He shows us a way out of the problem. Now, the problem today with most Christians is they don't know what curses are. They don't know how curses operate and they don't know how to recognize it. So it's like, if you're sick, you usually know, oh, I'm sick. I, I know I'm sick. If you're in sin, you usually know like, oh, I'm in sin. But when we're under a curse, we may not even understand that the nature of our problem or how to deal with it. So there might be issues and problems in your life, not just generational, because I've already done on curses and generational, but there might be things in your life that you didn't realize were a curse. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses gives a list of both blessings and curses. The first 14 verses of the chapter are blessings. The remaining 54, listen to what I'm about to say. 14 verses blessings the remaining 54 remaining 54 verses in Deuteronomy 28 are all about curses it's a long absolutely terrifying list and there's no one in their right mind that would want anything to do with curses so usually blessings and curses go from generation to generation until something is done to terminate them think about this not just curses but generational blessings could be broken if someone terminates them so just like curses blessings can also be stopped through disobedience to god have you ever seen a family where they're blessed for years it's like their grandpa was blessed their great grandfather was blessed like the whole family was blessed and blessed and blessed and then all of a sudden there's someone down the line that the blessing stops and now it goes from man that family used to be so blessed to now there's curses, there's generational curses, and because someone was disobedient to God. Remember, curses happen, I'll show you even later, when we're disobedient to God. So you might say, well, why should we worry about this? Because there can be many problems in your life that are connected to a curse and you don't even know it. So we're gonna go over some of the blessings if you're taking notes in Deuteronomy 28. First, let's go over the blessings. These are blessings for those that honor God, that serve God, that worship God, and that know God. Okay, blessing number one is personal exaltation. This literally means God will exalt you, God will lift you up, and God will honor you. And this is where God begins to bring favor over you. God begins to promote you. God begins to prosper you. If you've ever met somebody that's like, everything they do works. Come on, type one in the chat. It's like, hey, they have a business, and they make a social media page, they start this, they go to college, everything just works, and they're getting promoted every time they get a job. They're unqualified, but they get promoted, and God just keeps exalting them. God keeps lifting them up. God keeps promoting them exaltation personal exaltation where god lifts you up not a man i'm not talking about striving i'm talking about god promoting you and this is one of the blessings god told me i was going to have when i started the ministry god said isaiah 
Don't promote yourself. You don't need to promote yourself. In 10 years, I've never invited myself to speak. I've never tried opening a door for myself and God has opened the doors. We've gotten 190 bookings this year. Listen to me. We've gotten 190 bookings this year and I didn't ask for one of them. I didn't open one door. So you need to realize God says, I will exalt you. This is part of the blessing. It's when God begins to promote you. This number two blessing that's found in Deuteronomy, and we're, gonna, we're just um, categorizing them. Reproductiveness, okay? you will reproduce. And this is not just a physical reproduction. This is something where you're reproducing, you're fruitful. You're in every area, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's through relational, whether it's creative, you have a reproductiveness about you where you have the ability to create. You have the ability to be fruitful. Whatever you do, it just prospers. You have this creative ability um, to reproduce things. And that is a blessing from God. Number three, okay, so number two is reproductiveness. Number three is health. Listen to me closely. This is a blessing from God according to God's word. And you never appreciate how much of a blessing health is until you are sick. You never realize how much of a blessing health is. And then the moment you're sick, what is the first thing we all think about when we're sick in body? Man, I took for granted being healthy. I took for granted wasn't when I wasn't always nauseous. I took for granted when I wasn't always in pain in my back. I took for granted was when I wasn't always tired. I wish I would have appreciated health. And you just say, man, if I'm ever healthy again, I'm going to thank God more. But understand that health is a blessing from God. So I believe that these blessings are going to be released. We're going to pray a prayer at the end to break curses. But I believe that God is releasing these blessings and these blessings are being released over you right now in Jesus name that you will have health and that you will have wholeness in your body number four is prosperity and success prosperity in the bible now it doesn't mean what you might think where it's like you have a massive house and very luxurious you drive a ferrari but it means to live in abundance it means to have physical abundance not only physical but spiritual abundance as well and it also means to accomplish god's purpose and and succeed in doing the will of god so think of success and prosperity as accomplishing the will of god in your life not just physical finances, not spiritual prosperity, but accomplishing the will of God. In Joshua chapter one, verse eight, the Lord told Joshua that he's going to prosper in everything he did. He's going to be successful. Yet if you read what happened in Joshua's life, he spent many years in warfare, always exposed to danger, sleeping in open fields and and led a tough life as a soldier in war. So understand God said, Joshua, I'm going to make you prosper, but understand in prosperity, it's not just having stuff, but it means to be successful. So when you're successful in God's will for your life, that's being in prosperity. Okay. Number five blessing is victory. This is blessing that brings victory in the conflicts that we enter when we're in the will of God. So when you're living a victorious life, when you're living in the will of God, when you're battling, when you're fighting for your family, fighting for your friends, fighting for community. God says, one of my blessings is going to be, you're going to have victory. When you do things, you're going to have victory. When you try things out, you're going to be victorious. When you go to spiritual warfare, you're going to overcome. There is a special blessing to be victorious when you are in the will of God. Number six, the Bible says is you will be the head and not the tail. Now, a lot of people don't understand this. I'm going to make it very, very basic for you. The head makes decisions and the tail gets dragged around. So let me ask you how you're living. Are you the head or are you the tail? Are you the one making the decisions? Are your plans carried out successfully 
Or do you just get dragged around by life? Are you getting drugged around by the enemy and you don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen the next day? I'm kind of just drug around. If you're getting dragged around, then you are not the head, you are the tail. But God says, I don't want you to live your life where Satan could just drag you around. I don't want you to live your life where the world drags you around. The tail doesn't get to choose where it goes. The tail gets drug around through the dirt. And you got to tell the enemy today, I'm coming out and you will not drag me along in the dirt any longer. But God says, I'm blessed. God says that I am the head and not the tail and I will walk in the blessing of God. Number seven, last blessing I'm going to go over. Then I'm going to talk about the seven indications of the curse is being above and not beneath. And this is very close with being the head and not the tail. This means that you're living above the norm. You're living a supernatural life that transcends the natural limitations that God, that man have set up for you. So these are all part of living the blessed life. You can go through Deuteronomy 28. This is not like a special, you know, high tech advanced list. These are just characterized. Now I want to go over some of the indications of the curse mentioned in Deuteronomy 28. Again, you can go through Deuteronomy 28 and you're going to see a lot of these line up with the um, indications of the curse. I have another video on breaking curses, but I'm going to give you a couple of variations, a couple of different ones that match up with Deuteronomy 28. And these are indications that you're under the uh, under a curse that God's going to break tonight. Number one is mental or emotional breakdown. If you are going through emotional or mental struggles, if you're always breaking down emotionally, if you can't keep your emotions composed, you're crying when you don't want to cry, you're laughing when you don't want to laugh, and you're constantly going through emotional breakdown, mental problems, there's OCD, there's um, ADD, there's compulsive desires, there's DID, all these Ds and this and that, and all these things people put on you, and mentally there's confusion, all this torment. This could be, now it's not always, and this is again in Deuteronomy 20, this could be a sign that you are under a curse. And I believe tonight God is going to break it by the power of the Holy Spirit and by what he did on the cross. Okay. So number one is mental or emotional breakdown. Number two is chronic illness. Um, this is the nature of the curse, chronic illness. You're chronically sick. You're always sick or you have sickness that is hereditary. It runs in your family. Now here's something that's mind blowing to me. The doctors in the world recognize generational sickness and generational curses, yet the church is in denial. The church is in denial. They don't believe in um, generational curses. So they say, oh, your mom had cancer, you had cancer, your grandma had cancer, your great-great-grandma had cancer, and we don't even recognize that that is a generational curse of sickness that we need to break by the work that Jesus did on the cross. And so these sicknesses that are passed down are part of the curse. Remember, Jesus broke the curse but we must appropriate the cross we must appropriate the breaking of the curse so repeated sicknesses chronic illnesses these could be that you're under a curse number three you're going to see this all throughout scripture number three is female problems okay this is like barrenness miscarriage um irregular menstrual cramps all these things that go on in the womb these are all symptoms of the curse. You're going to see throughout scripture, barrenness. When I minister to women that come to me and say, I'm barren, I can't have children, or I have this specific female problem, I pray that God would break the curse. Every single time I say, Lord, break the curse off their womb. And I've watched people that the doctor said would never have kids. I've watched them get delivered, get healed, get breakthrough and have children. So this was a major issue and this was a curse in the Bible. Now listen to what I'm about to say. I'm not saying if this has happened to you that you're cursed, but I am saying that this is a result of a curse. And I've dealt with, like I said, several people that have gotten breakthrough, have gotten healed, have gotten delivered, have the, the curse is broken, that are now able to conceive. Okay, number four is breakdown of marriages or family alienation. 
Families that just can't stick together. There's a breakdown. There's divorce that goes rampant in the family. There's remarriage over and over and over. The children are separated or alienated. Or you have families where it's like, it's just they grow up together and then everyone parts ways. And then you no longer talk to your cousins. You no longer talk to your siblings. You no longer talk to your family. And then the, and then you have kids and the same thing happens to your kids. And then they have kids and the same thing happens to their kids. And it's like, yeah, we're just not, we're not really, we don't really know our family. We're not really close to our family. The devil wants to alienate and separate what God has started. God is a God of families and the devil's curse comes and brings a breakdown. These are demonic friend. These are a breakdown that God allows when you are under the curse. So marriages, divorce, remarriage, all these things, broken families are a sign of a curse. Number five is financial insufficiency. So I'm not talking about going through financial hardship. I'm talking about where you're always struggling, where you can never get ahead, where it seems like no matter how much money you make, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you can't get ahead. Now in the Bible, the enemies of God would come and steal the seed. They'd come and steal the finances. This was a, a regular thing. But you have to understand in Haggai chapter one, because the people didn't make God a priority, the Bible says that you're going to put money in pockets that have holes in them. So this is literally a curse. No matter how much money you make, you're going to put your money in your pockets. And God says, and the pockets have holes. You're never going to get ahead because God is not a priority. Remember, you come under the curse because of disobedience to God. There's a lot of other ways I won't go into tonight, but just know the basic way of coming under a curse is by disobedient to God. And this could be in your family line. A generational blessing and a generational curse both could be terminated. So if you have generational blessing, you need to keep the blessing going. That is my goal. I'm going, Lord, I want to pass down generational blessing to my kid, generational wealth to my children. I want them to be blessed. I'm not talking about in finances. Get out of your mind the whole money thing. I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. I want them to have riches in heaven. So I'm believing that I'm going to pass down a generational blessing to my children. Okay, number six. Number six is being accident prone or freak accidents. Freak accidents. These are things that happen in your family. And it's like, no matter what you do, you're always getting into accidents. There's always these freak things. I've, I have had people, in fact, recently I had someone tell me, you know, my, my grandma died. I think it was 63. It doesn't really matter the number, but I've heard, I've heard this many times, but recently they said that my mom died at 63 and now I'm afraid I'm going to die at 63. I've had other people say my dad died at this age. My mom died at this age. My cousin died at this age. Everyone dies in a freak accident at the same age, or my mom died of a car accident. My dad died of a car accident. My grandfather died in a car accident. My my cousin died in a car accident. It's these freak accident prone things. This could also be a sign of the curse. So if you're accident prone or you freak accidents running your family, this could be something that needs to be broken. We're going to break it and pray tonight. Number seven is a history of suicide or unnatural death in the family. A natural death, something we just talked about. But if you have a history of that where it's like suicide runs in the family, unnatural deaths run in the family, freak accidents run in the family. These are seven other symptoms of the curse. If you go into Deuteronomy, you're going to, guys, you're going to read this. We just got to be stopped being soft and we got to go and start reading the Bible. Okay. Now let's talk about how to be released. Now we're going to go into the steps of being released from the curse. These are going to be very simple, but I want to show you how you can be released from the curse. Each one of these four keywords starts with re. The number one is first, you need to recognize 
You need to ask the Lord to show you what problems are there. You need to ask the Lord to help you recognize and to shine light on what curses might be there, what curses might be on your ancestral line. Now, you don't have to be like, I'm, I, I need to find out every single curse, but you just need to recognize, is there a curse? Now, if you're in denial, which many leaders, pastors, preachers, Christians are, if you're in denial, you're not going to get breakthrough because you cannot ignore, you cannot see a problem fixed or breakthrough in an area that you're not willing to confront or willing to acknowledge. I knew that I had generational curses. I was in prayer. You guys have heard my story one time. And late at night, God said, this is a curse you need to break. And so I had a friend come over and pray for me. It's not necessary to have that, but he came over and broke it. Now, I don't know if there was a demon attached to the curse or what, but I got deliverance that night. I'm just going to tell it to you like that. So you need to recognize what is there. You need to see, maybe there is something there. Maybe there, Lord, reveal what's there. If there's anything there, I want it off of me. If there's anything there, I want it broken. I don't know why so many of you are like afraid of acknowledging or or thinking that there might be. I, I know why. I know why. I don't know why I said I don't know why. Pride. The reason why leaders, pastors, and I've been a Christian 20 years, they don't want to acknowledge that they need deliverance, freedom, or breakthrough is because they have pride. They are arrogant. And I'm not too arrogant or proud to say, if there's something there, I want it broken tonight. If there's a spirit there, I want deliverance. I have no shame in my deliverance game. If there's a critter on board, if there's a spirit hiding, if there's any lingering, get it out of me. In fact, I need to do that soon. I've been telling you guys, I need to go in and just get a checkup, get a little oil change right there and just get in there and get free because it, ha it has to stop being this taboo thing. God wants us to be healed. God wants us to be delivered. So we need to stop being ashamed of getting delivered. We need to stop being ashamed of having curses in our life. And a lot of you have spent generation after generation and no one in your generational line has heard preaching like this or understood the Bible or understood that Jesus could break the curse. There is power in Christ and what he did on the cross. And again, this is Satan's worst nightmare. Like, why did you label this? Because this is literally Satan's worst nightmare for you to find this out. Okay, so you got to recognize. Then second thing is you need to repent. If you're involved in anything evil or you did anything specifically, you need to repent. So if you've been involved in like Ouija boards, fortune tellers, the occult, studying books about other occults or other things or getting into dark things or anything, you need to repent. Acts 2.38, you need to repent. This is a biblical principle. Maybe it wasn't your involvement, but you need to um, you need to repent, like generational repentance, repent on somebody else's behalf or stand in the gap or intercede on somebody else's behalf. So you can do that. God has given you the right to come before him boldly on someone else. Now you might say, well, how can I go on somebody else's behalf to break something? That's what intercession, intercession is standing in the gap. Remember when God says, call the people together, pray for the nation. God is saying, pray for the nation, not just you, but other people's sins, other pray for, intercede for the sins of the nation. So we can come before God and repent before God and confess our sin in our generational line to break out of this and ask God and repent on behalf of whoever was responsible for whatever's going on in your line. So repentance is a must. Number three is renouncing. This is just you saying, this is not for me. Okay, renouncing just says, I don't want nothing to do with this. My faith is in Jesus. Jesus took every curse. He took every plan, every strategy. I don't want this. I revoke it. I renounce it and I break ties. You're verbally saying that I'm breaking ties with the enemy. You're verbally saying I'm breaking ties with the curse and I don't want this in my life. Number four is resisting. The Bible says this in James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So he, he will only flee from you 
if you've submitted to God first. If you haven't submitted to God, then you have no power over demons. Listen to me. You have no power over the curse. You have no power over the enemy. But Christians have reversed the order and now we submit to the devil and we resist God. But God says, I don't want you to resist the devil. Resist me, I want you to resist the devil. So submit to God, resist the devil. Don't submit to the devil and resist God. We've got it twisted. You need to take your stand against the enemy. You need to let the enemy know, I am a child of God. This curse does not belong to me. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus and I'm now out of the hand of the enemy. I've been translated, I'm speaking it. I'm speaking the word of God. Start speaking God's word. If there's a curse of death over you, speak Psalms 118.17, which says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. So you need to verbally confess things out, speak these things out. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer to break curses. Okay, please don't sit there and say, oh, you're reading too fast. Slow down. You can rewatch this. I'm going to say it. I'll pause so that you can say it, but just try. I'll, I'll try to slow down. Say it as I'm saying it, because we're going to declare with our words. How many know that you break things with words? That's how you do it. If you want to break curses, people come to me in my meetings. I have a curse I need to break. Use your words to break it. How do you cast out demons? You use your words. How did Jesus fight Satan with the word of God? How did he wield the sword of the spirit with his words? He spoke. He said, it is written. And he spoke what was written. So the way that we break these things is we decree them. We declare them. We speak them out of our mouth and we break contracts. This is all legalities that we speak out and that we break. That's why the Bible says that we've overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. That's why the Bible says, declare the works of God. Speak the words of God. So use your words. Don't be like, I'm just going to pray in my head. Can God hear your prayers in your head? Of course, God can hear your prayer, the prayers in your head, but get some boldness and begin to speak the word of, of the Lord, okay? So just repeat after me. I'm gonna have you speak this declaration, this prayer, and we're gonna break this thing out, okay? So you're gonna say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and the only way to the Father, okay? So Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God and the only way to the Father. And I want you to say, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And I'll give you a second here to say this. I believe that on the cross, you were made sin with my sinfulness that I might be made righteous with your righteousness. So just acknowledge and speak out that you believe Jesus took on your sin and you took on his righteousness, okay? And then I want you to say, you were made a curse with any curse that might come upon me that I might receive the blessing. So now you're acknowledging what Bible says is he became a curse so you can become the blessing of God. And then I want you to say this, and now Lord, I come to you for deliverance from any such curse. I repent of any sins that have caused it to come, whether committed by me or my ancestors. Let me say that again. I come to you for deliverance from any curse. I repent of any sins that have caused it to come on me, whether committed by me or my ancestors. I receive your forgiveness. I want you to say that. I receive your forgiveness. And then get bold right here. And I want you to say, I take my stand now against the devil and all of his pressures and everything he wants to do against me. In the name of Jesus, I resist him. I refuse to submit to him any longer. In the name of Jesus, I now release myself from any curse over my life. Okay, and then I want you to say this. Because of what Jesus did for me on the cross, in Jesus' name, I release myself and I receive this release now by faith with thankfulness and praise. Okay? So say that right now. I release right now because of what Jesus on the cross. I release myself and I receive this deliverance in Jesus' name. And then I want you to say this. 
Lord, I thank you now. I praise you now. I believe that you are faithful. I believe you're doing what I've asked you to do. I commit my life to you. From now on, your blessing is going to rest upon me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And the curse is broken. I just speak over you right now. The curse is broken in Jesus' name. The curse of the law has no power. The curse of witchcraft has no power. The curse of poverty is broken. And this is what I want to go into next, guys. The curse of poverty. I want to talk about the, the next thing I'm going to talk about and the last thing we'll talk about that happened at the cross is prosperity in place of poverty. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through that though he was rich, listen to what it says, Yet for your sakes, he became poor, that, through, that you through his poverty might become rich. Listen to this. You through his poverty might be made rich. So we're not talking about rich financially. We are talking about Jesus being rich in the glory of heaven and coming to earth, becoming a man, which in comparison from heaven to earth is being poor so that you might become rich in God. So he says, I'm going to leave my riches of glory to enter the poverty of humanity so that through his poverty, you might become rich. So you have to understand poverty is not God's will for your life. Poverty is not God's destiny for your life. God says, I am taking, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost strong tonight. I am taking your poverty and I'm replacing it with my prosperity, with my riches. Religion wants you to be poor, friend. Do you think the nature of God is for you to struggle your entire life? Do you think God wants you to struggle to have shelter, struggle to buy clothes, struggle to have food? God desires you to live a prosperous life. God desires to bless you. God desires to prosper you. God desires you to grow. He wants to help you. He wants to grow your business. He wants to grow your ministry. He wants to give you financial blessing and spiritual blessing and emotional blessing. And God wants to do these things and make and bless you so that you can be a blessing. So you have to understand, if you don't realize part of him dying on the cross was to break poverty off of you, you will live in a poverty mindset. You will think, a lot of believers do, that poverty is a good thing. Some Christians literally practice and preach this. I can't find anywhere where the nature of God is that you will live a poverty life. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Abound, sufficiency, and abundance. Do you think that's poverty? Do you think that's God saying, I want you to be poor. I want you to live in a little shack and I want you to not have you know, food or this or that. That's not God's desire. Poverty is demonic. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. So God is a giving God. He's not a takeaway God. He's not a God that's like, I want to take from you. I want to take from you. I don't want you to have money. If you get money, you need to give it away. If you get prosperity, you need to give away. No, God says, I want you to be prosperous. And notice that the only way to receive it is by grace. He says, you receive it by grace. You earn, you don't earn prosperity. Prosperity is free. It's received on the faith, on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. So I want to show you this. I want to show you that poverty is a part of being under the curse. Deuteronomy 28, verse 45, and then verse 47 through 48. Listen to this. It says, all these curses shall come upon you. Sounds terrible. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies who the Lord is going to send against you. But listen to what it says here. In hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. So because you're under the curse, 
because you didn't obey the Lord God with joy and gladness of the heart, God says, I'm going to turn you over. You're going to serve your enemies and the Lord is going to be against you and you're going to be in hunger and thirst and nakedness and you're going to be in poverty. Impoverished nation, impoverished impoverished nations are not God's will. When you look at a lot of third world countries that are impoverished, that's not the will of God. The will of God is that we would be prosperous and that we would be blessed. So when we disobey God, when we don't obey his voice, when we don't serve him with joy and gladness, you end up serving the enemy. And the result of poverty is four things, hunger, thirst, nakedness, and the need of all things. So put hunger, thirst, nakedness, and the need of everything all together. What do you have? You have complete poverty. And believers are saying, this is the will of God for your life. The will of God is that you would be poor. You wouldn't have a nice house. You wouldn't have a nice car. Come on, am I helping somebody? You wouldn't have a nice things. You wouldn't be blessed. You wouldn't have money. You wouldn't have a business. You would be in poverty. And the Bible says, that's actually not God. That's actually a curse of poverty from being disobedient. Is it possible that we are disobedient to God, that the American church has disobeyed God and we've preached a poverty gospel instead of what God says, a prosperity? Now, when I'm talking about prosperity gospel, I'm not talking about driving a Ferrari. I'm not talking about driving a nice BMW. I'm talking about living well in all things. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to you, to your fathers, as it is this day. So God gives you power to get wealth, power to create wealth. Um, third, uh, three, third John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. John's like, I'm praying that in every area of your life you would prosper in business, in family, in relationships, in your career, in your job, whatever you do. He goes, I pray in all things you prosper and I pray that you'd be in good health and I pray just as your soul prospers, your mind, your will, and your emotion. This is what God wants for you. Now there's three levels that you can be at in provision. I believe God wants everyone in the third level. Number one is ins insufficiency. This is where you can never get by. It means you don't have enough for what you need. This is not God's plan for your life. This is level one of provision. It's not God's plan for your life. If you need $100, you only have $75. You never have what you need. The next level is sufficiency, where you're sufficient, right? You need $100, you have $100. The third level, which is where the Christians are called to, is abundance. And that means if you need $100 for groceries, you have $125. Now, why would God want you at level three in abundance? The reason why God wants you to in abundance is so that you can bless other people. Why does God want you to prosper? Why does God want you to have wealth? Why does God want you to have peace and have joy and live in abundance? It's so that you can be a blessing to others other people. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, listen to what Paul says to the elders at the church of Ephesus. He says, I've shown you that in every way by laboring like this, that you uh, must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that said, it is more blessed, think about this, than to give than it is to receive. So understand the reason why God gives you abundance is so that you wouldn't only be on the receiving end, but you'd be on the giving end. Because remember, to give is actually greater than to receive. So when you're giving, whether it's your time, your energy, your passion, your finances, your resources, whatever it is, when you're giving, it's actually far greater than receiving. So being a giver is greater than being a receiver. But understand, how could I be a giver if I believe in poverty? How could I be a giver if I believe that I'm supposed to be, you know, just this weak, this weak, poor Christian? 
giving is a very important part of the Christian life. Now, this does not mean you need to give all this money and give large amounts and all that, but understand God did command his people in Israel to not appear before him empty-handed. In Exodus 34, 20, God says, do not appear before me empty-handed. In Psalms 96, 8, it says, bring an offering and come into his courts. So we don't go to God empty-handed. We don't go to God saying, I have nothing to offer you. We go to God saying, God, I give you this. I give you my hands. I give you my feet. I give you my time. I give you my energy. And that's also giving to whether it's our local church, whether it's giving to ministries, whether a traveling speaker comes in and there's an offering to help support the traveling speaker. Paul says you should pay traveling teachers especially well. So we got to break out of this poverty mentality. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. We're almost done. We're at an hour here. We're almost done. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Paul says, remember this. A farmer who only plants a few seeds is going to get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, and this is Paul speaking about finances in context, will get a generous crop. And he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they will freely share and give generously to the poor. That their good deeds will be remembered forever. So how could I give? How can I sow? How can I bless? How could I be a blessing to other people? I have to prosper so that I can be giving, so that I can be a blessing, so I can help people. If God wants me poor, then how am I going to be a blessing? If God wants me poor, then how am I going to help other people? God is looking for people that would prosper. And I believe that God is breaking right now every curse every spell, every hex. So tonight, the two exchanges we went over was we went over blessing in place of the curse and we went over prosperity in place of poverty. These are two major things that happen on the cross. I don't know, maybe someday we'll do a part two, uh, part three, I'm not sure, but we need to fully understand. Now, if anyone ever says, Isaiah doesn't preach the cross, we're on almost two and a half hours of preaching on the cross, y'all. This is very, very important that you know because the cross is the nuclear warhead to Satan's kingdom. The cross is Satan is literally a nuclear warhead to the kingdom of darkness. So right now I want to pray over you and I want to break all these things and I want to believe right now every demonic assignment, every demonic contract, every power of the curse is broken in Jesus name. Father, we ask you right now in Jesus name that you would break the power of the curse. We ask that you would break every strategy of the enemy. We ask that you would break every plan that the enemy has the power of poverty come on i speak it over you now is broken in jesus name the power of depression is broken in jesus name i bind every demonic spirit that's tried to come in and hold you captive i break every attack i pray lord that you would release your power i pray the blood of jesus i speak health over you father we ask that the blessing of health would be released tonight that if you're sick in body i pray lord that you would bring healing right now right now over those that are sick in body. I speak to every person that's sick in body and I say be healed in Jesus name. I say be restored in Jesus name. I say be healed in Jesus mighty name. Father, I ask you that cancer would be healed right now in Jesus name. I ask for back pain, I ask for blood disease, I ask for liver disease, be healed God. We thank you that you were wounded so that we can be physically healed. So God, we ask for physical healing to be released right now. We ask for physical healing, we ask for deliverance to be released right now. Every unclean spirit is disarmed now in Jesus' name. Every unclean spirit is disarmed in Jesus' name. You have no power, Satan. Father, I pray that you would fill every person listening with the Holy Spirit right now. Fill them with your Holy Spirit power. Fill them with your Holy Spirit anointing. 
Fill them with your fire right now. I pray, Holy Spirit, just begin to move like never before. Just begin to touch people like never before. I pray wherever you're at, that revival would break out. I break the confusion off of you in Jesus' name. I break the weariness. Come on, if you're tired right now, weariness, I break it in Jesus' name. Depression, I break it in Jesus' name right now. I pray, God, that you would just break these things. Strongholds are broken. I pray that you give them peace. I pray that you give them joy. I pray that you give them energy, God. I pray that you give them a boldness. We break timidity right now. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, you must go in Jesus' name. You must go. Spirit of fear, go in Jesus' name. Spirit of fear, go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of lust, you must go in Jesus' name. You have no power. You have no power. Spirit of death, we break you in Jesus' name. Right now, I speak, Lord, that you would just give them a sound mind. Give them clarity in their mind right now. Every haze, every fog, every assignment, every attack, every plan of the enemy, I pray that it would be broken in Jesus' mighty name. And God, we're asking for your Holy Spirit fire. We're asking for your Holy Spirit power. We just say, release it right now healing be released deliverance be released we plead the blood of jesus some of you need to repent right now lord break the curse we repent god of anything we've done anything we've done to cause us to come upon us we break it right now lord if we've not served you with gladness if we've not hearkened to your voice if we've not responded to your word we pray god right now we break off stubbornness we break off rebellion we break off witchcraft in jesus name no more sickness no more disease in jesus name Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. I pray poverty would be broken right now. Poverty go right now. Poverty mindset. Be broken in Jesus' name. Be broken in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, release your fire. Holy Spirit, release your fire right now. Over every person listening, I pray the fire of the Holy Ghost. I pray the power of the Holy Ghost be released right now. Thank you, Lord. Bring in healing over family. Family members that are lost, I pray that you would bring them back in Jesus' name. Family members that are lost, I pray you'd bring them back in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.